Blog Talk Radio. Tonight's edition of the Cheapest Meal presented by Deep Fried Draft. My name is Brian Bosarge. Got a great uh, show scheduled uh, coming up in just a few minutes. We're going to have Pete Smith from NFL Spin Zone on to talk about Cleveland Browns. We're going to talk about free agency upcoming. We're going to talk about the Senior Bowl. We're going to talk about what he's looking for uh, coming up in the NFL Draft and much, much more. Been a busy week at deepfrieddraft.com. All my position rankings uh, are now up. Uh, each position individually ranked. These reflect will reflect uh, post Senior Bowl, but pre Combine, of course. And uh, also, my top 100 uh, big board dropped today. You can uh, check that out at DeepFriedDraft.com. That actually extends out to uh, top 300, which you can use. Uh, you can use that at uh, Fanspeak. If you go to Fanspeak.com, you can use my big board there to um, do your own mock drafts if you if that's what you're into. And coming up tomorrow, new mock draft dropping at DeepFriedDraft.com. So let's bring in our guest now. He is a, the Cleveland Browns writer for NFL Spin Zone. He is Pete Smith. Pete, how are you doing tonight? Uh, living the dream. How are you? How how'd that polar vortex treat you up there in uh, Ohio? Uh, I mean, like, what's interesting is the day I left to go down there, it was negative, like twenty something, and I came back the that Friday, and uh, like the guy, like the guy, the guy who took me to get my car was like saying how awful it was, and t- it was actually like 20 degrees warmer or maybe even 40 degrees warmer than when I left. So, you know, it it was unpleasant, but at the same time, it was 50 degrees today. So go figure. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, uh, I've been running my air conditioner here the last two nights. If that tells you anything, how crazy the weather has been, uh, here. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane, but, uh, enough talk about weather. Nobody cares about that. Uh, Another successful year of barbecue and football for you there, uh, Pete Smith. Yeah, I've, uh, despite uh, the untimely renovations of the brick pit, yeah, uh, Jay Coleman uh, was very, very good. Oh, it ain't no doubt about it. I'm almost, like I told uh, told somebody else, I'm almost glad they didn't have that Wednesday practice because I think we would all have been too miserable uh, to stand outside and watch those practices. Us and then most of the most of the uh, people that showed up for the Browns. <laughs> no doubt about it. No doubt about it. So uh, last year at this time, you were uh, you were trying to convince every everybody that Baker Mayfield was the guy. Now you're laughing at everybody who doesn't have him. Well, I I I, I just think it's unfortunate. No, Unfortunate that everybody doesn't get to in, share in the joy in the in the new era of unbridled enthusiasm to borrow a phrase from Tony Kornheiser uh, that I that I get to wake up into every day. Uh, that it you know he was you know I, I think he was even better than I thought he would be initially, but that you know we're so spoiled right now that. Uh, Going through the playoffs, watching these teams play, I'm 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 legitimately thinking live. You know, it, it's you know Baker Mayfield makes that throw, or Baker Mayfield wouldn't have missed that play. That's where we're at already. Even the Super Bowl, with some of those things Goff missed. It's like you know Baker Mayfield would have hit that receiver in the end zone, that type of stuff. So, yeah, it's 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 pretty sweet, and the fact that, you know we're in our uncharted territory for, you know, a couple of decades in terms of 
being able to say, what else do we need other than quarterback? And it's not even a consideration anymore. Oh, that's, that's a, that's a fact. And, uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about the quarterback position in just a second, but, uh, the Browns obviously don't need one, but there is a, the, the universally top rated quarterback in this draft is from your neck of the woods there, Dwayne Haskins. Tell me a little bit about what you've seen from Dwayne Haskins and, uh, how he's going to project to the NFL. Uh, his talent is off the charts. I mean, he physically, what he's able to do, uh, in terms of his, his legs, his arm, his sheer size and strength are very impressive. And at times, he looks brilliant on the field. My, the issues I see for him right now are he doesn't throw very well on the move, uh, and he's very under-experienced. And, you know, it, it, as we've been seeing in recent years, you know, guys like him that are going to the league with, you know, 13 starts, there's there, – you're going to get that learning curve. It's just a question of if you're going to get it in college, are you going to get it in the NFL? And, you know, you look at a guy like Mitchell Trubisky, who I think has a lot of similarities with, with, uh, with Haskins. I think Trubisky is probably a little more polished at UNC in terms of, at least in that offense, things were, were far more on schedule, were far more as you'd expect. Whereas, Haskins has, I think, more just overall talent. But I think whoever gets Haskins has to have the attitude that they've got to, you know, take their time with him development. I I, I hope for his sake that they don't rush him on the field. But if they do, you know, hopefully it's in a situation where they they can at least sort of protect him the way that Matt Nagy did with with Trubisky in in some ways. And even – you know, he's two years in now, and it still feels like he's really, really raw. And that's not unfair to him. I mean, that's just where he's at as an experienced quarterback. You're hoping that he's going to take a big step forward. But, uh, you, you know, from where Haskins is, and hopefully the team that gets him doesn't screw him up, you're looking at two to three years before you're you're going to be where he needs to be. Like, again, you contrast that to Baker Mayfield, who played – you know, 40-some games at Oklahoma. There's just a level of experience. And and you take that with some of the people are talking about a guy like uh, the kid from Clemson who are saying, well, he should be ready to go to the NFL now. You can't get away from the fact that you still have to see all that stuff and learn how to prepare and learn how to read defenses and see a lot of different things and how difficult that is. So, that's what I sort of see with him is it's certainly the talent is there. He has put up incredible numbers in a short time, setting all kinds of records. But even, you know, with that, you know, he, he's got a chance to be an Ohio state quarterback, you know, getting drafted, you know, top 15, top 10 in a program that hasn't done that since Arch Schleister. Uh, and, and that didn't work out for various reasons. And, you know, he, he could be regarded as sort of the most successful quarterback from a draft perspective since Schleister. And yet, I think if Ohio State fans are honest with themselves, they have to be like, yeah, there's still a lot of things that, you know, we didn't feel like we're quite there yet with him. Don't blame him for declaring, but sort of understand that there there's still some growing to do. With that being said, you know, and, and it's been seen to be a common uh, pick in a lot of mock drafts you see right now. With the, the with his needing to sit, was the Giants like probably a good fit for him right now? I would say hell no. Uh, not only not only because the Giants don't seem equipped to deal with him as a rookie, but given what Dave Gettleman did last year, I don't think they're in a position to be able to wait around for him. I mean, in some ways, you know, you can certainly say that, say that they are, but when you get a guy like Saquon Barkley, who has 2000 total yards, if you take your rookie quarterback now and he needs to sit, you're almost like, you know, 
with the way running back is, uh, part of you is if you're you're following the Giants, say, well, says you want to be able to have Saquon Barkley ten years. But realistically, what's what's that time frame really like? Is is, is there going to be a situation where, you know, he's going to have his great years, and then then the quarterback's going to be ready and you're playing from behind. Not only that, but Pat Shermer has not been a guy who's been exactly great with developing quarterbacks, and he hasn't been able to sort – I don't think anyone in that organization has been able to be honest with themselves about their situation. And you don't go into last season and saying Eli Manning is the guy, miss out on what could be a really special quarterback class, and then come back and sort of try to fix it. I, I think the Giants are a team that's more likely to punt and try to get a guy like a Joe Flacco – or one of those and try to go more the veteran route, which has historically been what the giants do anyway, and see if they can't win that way. And, and honestly, I don't think Gettleman or Shermer, that combination is long for that job as a result. I think ultimately they put themselves behind the eight ball because there's no good answer for what that team does right now. You know, the team that, that's equipped and I don't know if they have the gumption to take it. My inclination would be no, is the Cincinnati Bengals. They're the great situation for for a guy like Haskins. But A, does he get to 11th pick? And then B, is Mike Brown going to be willing to say that his new coach that he hired, you know, an offensive guy, you know, taking his team in a new direction, is he going to be willing to sort of put his chips in the middle and say, we're going to let you do this, or – you know, even if Haskins is sitting there, is, is he going to go more the traditional Mike Brown route of we've got Andy Dalton under contract, go win? Yeah, I, I, I just, until they do it, I can't see them doing it because my mindset is the Bengals don't trade up. Friend, I mean, I've seen them trade up in the first round once in my life, and that was to get Kajana Carter. So, I mean. I, I can't see it until I see it. I can't see it. Right, and 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 that, the only scenario I would see it happen is if you know Dwayne Haskins is there at eleven. If he's there, that becomes the the point. But you know, and, and obviously it was a little different. I think there was a lot more hope in Andy Dalton at the time. But the Bengals had had a situation like this where Derek Carr and Teddy Bridgewater fell on their lap and there's, you know, a segment of Bengals fans sitting there going, you know, these guys could be better than our guy and really help make that big leap. And they stuck with Andy Dalton. I think it was a lot more defensible at that time than it would be in this time. If it's all a question, I I, I do not expect the Bengals to move up. That's just, I agree. It's just not who they are, but it becomes an interesting discussion in the event that, you know, the Haskins is there at 11, and then it's sort of what do you do? And, and the answer is, I'm with you. I think more likely than not, they're more likely to hold steady. But, you know, that that would be an interesting pivot point. I, I think in a lot of ways, just the hiring of Zach Taylor was unexpected. But how far is Mike Brown willing to go? That remains to be seen. I'm curious to the start of free agency to see um... – to see if things are different, so to speak. Uh, speaking of quarter, let's get back to the quarterbacks for just a second. And uh, you don't need a starter anymore, Baker Mayfield. But uh, we we talked ad nauseum down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. Any of these guys that were at the Senior Bowl, you could see the Browns maybe taking a mid round flyer on to groom as a backup to Baker Mayfield. Uh, if if mid round is down towards round five, I could see it. Uh, but, you know, it's probably more likely six or seven. And the guy that makes the most sense to me was Gardner Minshew uh, out of Washington State. Uh, and, and, you know, there are a lot of things about him that remind you of Baker Mayfield. He's certainly comfortable in his own skin. He's certainly not afraid to throw around the ball. Uh, as, he, you know, this last year at Washington State, he, you know, prolific. Um, size, you know, his, how he moves in, around in the pocket. A lot of things sort of give you this Baker Mayfield vibe other than when the ball comes out, there's a noticeable lack of velocity and arm strength with Minshew as opposed to Mayfield. 
And I, I don't know if, if Dorsey even has any remote interest of sort of trying to chase that same type of thing. My inclination would be no, uh, that Baker Mayfield just was that good that you couldn't say no to it. But if they were interested in trying to get somebody where they they want to try to put him on the practice squad and keep a roster spot open, then of the guys I saw there, Minshew makes the most sense. And, I mean, you as you well know, if you looked at, you know, opinions there, you know, there were eight quarterbacks there, and you could have found somebody to say that one of the – each of those eight had the best week of anyone there, which, you know, is not because everybody was so good. It was quite the opposite. <laughs> and, you know, you left with a lot more questions than you did answers unless, unless the answer was no, uh, you know, the, the, they just, it just wasn't a very good group. And, and I thought, you know, other than a few choice throws from guys uh, that it really hurt, the receivers and the one-on-ones and stuff, because there were situations where there were some good matchups and the ball went five feet out of bounds and there was nothing there. And you're sort of going, you know, what, what is this? And why, why aren't we getting, you know, quality reps? And it was unfortunate. And it made you, you know, I, I've been a, a very vocal critic of a guy like Josh Allen, but Josh Allen, you know, would have upgraded that field this year, which is, you know, again, it, it just goes to endorse the fact that, this wasn't a great group. Which oh, is I, I completely you. right, and I completely agree there. And I mean, there was—I mean, you, you were you're spot on when you said you could ask eight different people, and and you you get a, a different person saying that they they thought so and so had the best week. I mean, I I even saw somebody said Trace McSorley was the best quarterback in Mobile this week, and he was nothing short of completely terrible. I hope it was Mike Brown's daughter. Don't oh, no, don't start with but me. No, it's like you, um, you and I, you 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 were to to put it lightly critical of Will Greer, and yet you could find somebody who thought Will Greer had a great week. Oh no, no doubt about it. Um, the Browns. Uh, I think we could say they probably have some trench needs, offensive line, defensive line, maybe some depth guys, maybe some starters here and there. Uh, any of those guys as a senior bowl stood out to you that would be you think would be fit for Cleveland? Um, so defensive line-wise, what they really, really need is a stud three technique, and I didn't see one there. Um, but and – and I thought the defensive tackle group was sort of underwhelming. I thought the Shrine game had a better group. Uh, especially for what I was looking for. But the one guy that I actually really like is Greg Gaines from Washington, but he's not a three, he's a nose. The Browns need one of those two because they just basically let Larry Ogunjobi play a million reps, and he played through a torn bicep, and God only knows what would happen if he didn't, and you know he, he wasn't able to go and had to be put on IR. There were about six games where they had basically you know, lawn furniture out there trying to play the nose. Um, offensive line wise, you know, the Browns, their three in, interior guys are settled. Uh, I, I don't think there's any question. It, the only scenario that would change that is, is if they decide they want to move Joel Batonio out to left tackle, and then it becomes a little bit interesting. But right, right now, they could live with Greg Robinson and, and Chris Hubbard. I don't know that they want to be essentially just treading water. Both guys were pretty average. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I like Greg Robinson and, and how much and the improvement he's shown. I'd like to see him re-signed, but ultimately I think I'd rather have him as a right tackle than a left tackle. And obviously that's not as important as it used to be, but I'd still like to see him, you know, on that side. Chris Hubbard is okay. Uh, he's a so- solid enough pass protector. The issue is, is he's always going to be undersized and he's always going to have some struggles when it comes to just being overpowered. Um, so tackle becomes interesting. And, you know, I thought Andre Gillard had a good week. I thought he was the best tackle there. I do think he had some real issues in pass protection, uh, you know, against guys like Jalen Ferguson, who was, you know, amazing and Montez Sweat, who was great. 
all week. It was a ridiculous field of edge rushers that really tested the uh, offensive tackles. Um, you know, I, I could see where they might like Dillard, but I don't think they'll love him at 17 unless, you know, he tests through the roof and maybe he does. I mean, my biggest takeaway from Andre Dillard is he was a great, like he was an outstanding run blocker all week. And this is not the first time I've seen an offensive lineman out of Washington state be like a nasty road gritting run blocker. Uh, Dahl, when he came out, uh, was the same way. And my, my impression was, look, I know you want to be a straight air raid system, but you have these outstanding linemen who are great run blockers. Maybe you want to use them a little bit more for that purpose. Uh, I thought he was okay. The guys I really liked, uh, and I thought this offensive tackle class was like a just a completely different group than the one last year. I thought this group, by comparison, was outstanding. Last year was a struggle. Uh, you know, they had a couple guys, you know, the one dude uh, got drafted in the second round and ultimately t- played some for the Packers. But, you know, I thought this group was way better. Caleb McGarry is interesting. Uh, 6'7", you know, you go to the weigh-in and you're like, wow, that is a good-looking 6'7", 320 pounds. Movement skills seem okay. He's inconsistent when it comes to staying on his blocks, but he's worth keeping an eye on. And then the two guys, uh, the other two guys I really liked, were Titus Howard from Alabama State and then uh, Ole Udo from uh, Elon, both small school guys who aren't finished products, but they just have NFL bodies. And I thought, you know, over the course of the week, they got better and, you know, started to win more. And, and I think from what I saw, Ole Udo is the only guy – I saw a week block Mata sweat successfully on back-to-back reps. Uh, you know, he's he's a right tackle only, although he did play some guard at the shrine, right guard at the shrine game. But in terms of like a project and, and a body, like he's got everything, you know, he's the guy that NFL offensive line coaches drool over in terms of the tools he has. And Titus Howard isn't far off, former quarterback, former you know, tight end that just kept growing and, and very light on his feet. Uh, impressive athlete just needs to continue to get refined. I think those are guys that, you know, are going to take a minute in the NFL, you know, whether it's a year or two. But those are guys to me where I think if, you know, they, they, they put in the work and they get a good program that's willing to coach them and sort of stick with it, I think they could be starters down the road. So, you know, I thought this was a really, really good group. Uh, so, you know, I, personally, I'm more inclined to wait to day two, day three. But I'm not, you know, I, I, it certainly wouldn't surprise me if John Dorsey finds somebody he loves and goes, that's, you know, that's the guy who's going to protect Baker Mayfield's blindside for the next decade. And, I, and, you know, I can't argue with that logic. It's just too big of an investment that at one point was – put in the hands of Desmond Harrison of all people who couldn't block anything. Uh, so it's, that's one of the positions that's going to be really fascinating to watch because they've got a lot of options, a lot of different potential answers. And it's just a question of what, what path they like with a new offensive line coach uh, in James Campen and uh, the departing Bob Wiley uh, to see how they sort of feel about it. Uh, a guy you didn't mention, but I think we both kind of liked him this week, was uh, Southern Cal offensive tackle Chuma Idoga. He goes to the weigh-in. Whoops, he's got a bus size bigger than most Victoria's Secret uh, uh, models there. But the guy, he's only 6'3", but great arm length. And he, he stood out a lot to me in the one-on-ones this week. Right. If he doesn't absolutely crush the bench tech, bench reps, I'm going to be stunned because his, he's just got a giant barrel chest. Uh, And yeah, he was very good. Uh, You know, there are some teams that won't care that he's short. Personally, I think if, you know, for a team like the Browns, uh, you know, and some other teams maybe in the same boat, I think he projects as a really, really good guard uh, because he's got quick feet, but he's powerful. Uh, And, and I agree with you in the, in the one-on-ones when he got hands on, it was basically over. Um, then, I, then, then you know, you get back from Mobile, and I, I saw Matt Miller tweet 
about how he talked to something like 10 different people and, and said there were concerns and stuff with him at uh, USC in terms of work ethic and stuff. So I think you've got to vet that. I'm not doubting the reporting. I don't know. Uh, it's just interesting. But if a team comes back and goes, you know, we like what we hear about him and we think he can be a good player, I, I do think he can be a good pro. I, whether you, you, you know, you're willing to live with the hype and put him at tackle or you, you really like that nastiness that can play guard. I mean, like I, it, like we, you mentioned the way in, you know, that barrel chest, I mean, it just screams guard at you. But it's not like he's an unathletic guy. It's not that he would be incapable it's just a question of really just preference and if he can just do the job. Right. Um, any last question on the senior bowl, uh, any other guys stand out to you that, from a position we haven't talked about yet? Um, other guys, I mean, Penny Hart was a guy that, you know, I, I admitted and, and you admitted to me, we had never heard of him until he showed up, uh, you know, and it's not like Georgia State. It's, 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 you know, you tend to get the, the big D1 guys and then you get, you know, you get familiar with the the D2, D3 F, and the FCS guys that some of the smaller conference, you know, but still D1 guys get unnoticed, go unnoticed. And, you know, Penny Hart was a guy that really shined in the practices and one-on-ones and stuff, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, some people had a better week practice-wise with his natural comparison than Andy Isabella. What was, uh, you know, I don't want to say it was disappointing, but it was, I guess, unfortunate that he had such a great week, and I don't think he got even a target in the game, if he even played in the game. Uh, And then Andy Isabella had a great game. Uh, yeah, so, I think he may yeah, have caught I mean, one was, pass in the game. So he was a guy that, you know, he's one of them. And, the, you know, this is what happens. With, and, you know, you you get somebody you're not familiar with and you like what you see from him. And, you know, you go back and look at the tape and he's interesting. He's super productive at Georgia State. You know, he, he caught, you know, more receiving yards as a junior than the next three receivers on his team combined. You know, those things are interesting, you know, despite the fact he's 5'8", but he's 180 pounds. He's a thick dude. And then, you know, the other the other reason that you have to notice him is, you know, Scott Wright was down there doing his uh, Panini card things where he tapes guys opening packs of cards, and Penny Hart opens up his pack and immediately grabs on to Miles Garrett and was all about it. So, you know, he gets he gets a few brownie points with that. So, he, he yeah, he was a guy I thought was interesting, really helped himself, and, and, and I expect – you know, obviously teams weren't were probably far more familiar than I was, but still may have come gone back and said, "We got to we got to learn more about him." Well, I, I'll say this: I've been mildly, passively interested in Georgia State the last couple of seasons, if for no other reason that their head coach is a former South Carolina assistant coach and was an interim head coach at South Carolina after Spurrier left. So I passively was interested, and I can tell you their quarterback play is. So for him to put up the kind of for for him to put up the kind of numbers he has with that shoddy quarterback play is uh is something to behold. We're gonna take a break right now. We're gonna attempt to pay some bills here. Uh, just hang on tight, Pete. We'll be right back. Talk more Cleveland Browns here on the cheapest meal. Are you traveling to Disney? Are you planning a trip to Disney World or Universal Studios or Disneyland or any of the other Disney properties around the world? Well, then you need a good person to help you out with all that planning. You need Coasters and Castles Travel Representative Rebecca Bosarge to help you plan your trips. You need help buying tickets. Do you need help knowing what restaurants to go to? You need reservations for those restaurants. You need to book fast passes and get your magic band straight and all that stuff that goes on at Disney that, quite frankly, you don't know about or you didn't have time to do. She does, and she'll do it for free. That's right. Her services are free. All you do is contact rbosarge at coastersandcastlestravel.com. That's rbosarge, R-B-O-S-A-R-G-E, at coastersandcastlestravel.com. Call today. Email today. 
and we're back with Pete Smith now. Um, Pete, uh, new coaching staff there with Freddie Kitchens being the new head coach now that you've gotten rid of the cancer of Hugh Jackson. And uh, you're going to have different coaches at different different positions. You you touched briefly about the new offensive line coach replacing Bob Wiley. Uh, do you, have, are you, you feel like you may have to change up the way you look at, you know, players coming into the Browns, maybe different scheme fits? Uh, offensively, I don't think so. I, I, like, I, obviously, when George, Dorsey came over, he, he was, you know, by way of the Packers ultimately, and a lot of this, the ways they sort of scouted offensive linemen were similar. Uh, and obviously, you know, they got Elliott Wolf and they got Alonzo Highsmith who were, were just with the Packers, and I'm, I'm sure that played into why James Campen came here. The bigger question is going to be defensively. Steve Wilkes, and even if you watched Steve Wilkes as a defensive coordinator or head coach, in both situations, he inherited all the guys. So, you know, in terms of what does Steve Wilkes want, especially when it comes to defensive line, that's a, that's a question that, I, you know, I'd love, I'd love an answer on. Does he want, you know, in Carolina, obviously he had Star Latule and then K1 Short, you know, he didn't pick those guys. Does he want, you know, bigger, heftier guys in there? He goes to Arizona. He, he's got Chandler Jones. He's got, you know, Robert Incondici and, and those guys. But I don't think in any of his stops he's really had a situation where you could say this is him putting a stamp on what he wants in defensive linemen. So that's really the big question. And and I don't have an answer, so you know I'm basically hoping that he likes the type I want, which is honestly similar to to what they just had, is is more upfield pennant, you know, shoot the gaps type guys. Um, that would be more interesting, you know. Certainly, you can you can go the wall approach and you can have some success with it, but any more, you know, if you're not getting guys who can get get in and after the quarterback, it's just hard to to be successful and you know even if he had a certain idea of what he wanted to do you know you you come into a situation where you've got Miles Garrett you've got Larry Ogunjobi you've got Jannard Avery you've got you know athletic bodies like Emmanuel Ogba and now it's a question of does that change maybe what you initially would have wanted and is there something you'd want to adjust to so that's sort of the bigger question I think the secondary is largely going to stay the same they, that's the one. That's one of the few coaches they did hang on to, uh, and it's not to say the scheme won't change. But, but he does, you know, he is a he, he does a lot of things that Greg Williams did in terms of coverage. Heavy cover three guy. Expect they use a lot of cover one two, and that's a question about, you know, does he have anything special he wants to run? And then the only other real question is, and this has nothing to do with draft. It's just the general question is. Can Steve Wilkes and his now his staff with him, you know, continue to maximize Jabril Peppers, who had a great season last year, arguably had uh, a, a real argument to be in the Pro Bowl, uh, and you know, does that continue or is is he going to try to change him somehow? Really, it's about what does he want in defensive linemen, and that's the one I don't have an answer for. Um, Browns have been active in the draft over the last few years, either moving down a lot, moving up, whatever. Uh, they don't have as many picks this year as they've had in the last couple of years. Do you expect them to be active up or down this way this year? Yeah, I, I think that's just who they are. I think that's sort of their mentality is, you know, they have guys they want to go get. They've got 11 picks. Uh, the difference this year is they don't have two firsts, two seconds, you know, you know, a couple thirds and, and everything they had where they were just so loaded that they basically own the draft. That that right goes to the Raiders. But they do have enough ammunition uh, that they can move around and get guys specifically they want. And when you consider that they don't need to overhaul the team anymore and it's more targeted, you know, you know, it's still trying to get impact players. It's still trying to get guys you consider foundational pieces, but it's not, it's not, you know, trying to build a foundation anymore. Now it's trying to go from, 
a 7-8-1 team to a team that's making the playoffs, and they have real expectations to make the playoffs. So how do they act in that case? I mean, in some case, in some ways, that might make them more aggressive uh, that they want to make sure they get as much impact as possible. At the same time, you know, they they do have opportunities where now they can sort of, because they don't have to press for things like quarterback, because they don't have to, you know, go specifically for needs as much, then maybe they sit back and, and, and see opportunities where a team is desperate to get one of those things, and maybe they want to keep paying forward and, and keeping draft picks where they're always in a good position in the draft. Uh, yeah, obviously this started with Sashi Brown and, and acquiring all those assets. And last year was sort of the big payoff where you get, you know, Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward, Nick Chubb, so on and so forth. But, you know, it's never a bad thing to be sitting there with extra picks that you can maneuver with. And even teams like the new England Patriots, you know, are, are constantly trying to get themselves more a- assets. The Philadelphia Eagles like to get themselves more assets that they can basically do what they want to do in the draft or free agency or whatever. Um, I think the other possibility, and, and I don't, I don't know who really stands out for this other than maybe a Gerald McCoy, if he doesn't get released is that they try to use those assets to trade for proven commodities. They did this last year, obviously with, with Jarvis Landry and Tyrod Taylor and, you know, instead of trying to, in that case, it was really trying to make the playoffs immediately, but, you know, you have Hugh Jackson. That's not really realistic. Um, if now they're they're saying that there's a guy like Gerald McCoy, you know, and we don't want to let him get to free agency. We want, we want to get his contract because we believe he can fill that whole three technique and make us a you know a really really good defense. That you go ahead and give up some assets to to ensure that, or there's somebody else the you know out there that's an opportunity that hasn't become obvious yet. So. Yeah, I, I expect they're going to be wheeling and dealing. Uh, they're always going to be open for business, and it's largely going to be a question of is is the right deal for uh, there for them that they want to jump on. You um you you mentioned free agency briefly there. Uh, of the guys that are set to be unrestricted or even restricted, uh, who are you? Who do you really want them to bring back? bring back as in re-sign? Uh, yes. I mean, I want Greg Robinson back. I, I want them to re-sign Richard Perryman. And I think in some ways they may have done some of their free agency shopping, maybe more of their free agent shopping than people uh, want to realize, but they did it during the season in taking, you know, signing Greg Robinson on basically a flyer, uh, signing Richard Perryman on a flyer, and now, you know, they both played well enough that, you know, they warrant another contract. And, you know, they don't have to pay out necessarily big money, although I do think if Greg Robinson gets to free agency, they get more money than people expect. I mean, after all, Nate Solder got paid, what, $16 million to, to to go be the Giants left tackle as a, you know, relatively average guy. Uh, in fact, you know, it, it, you know, not that they're likely to overpay for him, but a team that makes a lot of sense for Greg Robinson, the event he would go to free agency would be the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, he's their, he's their type. Now, obviously, the, the new coaching staff may they view it differently, but, you know, historically, you know, he's, he's right in line with those hulking big offensive linemen where they could just move people off the ball uh, and run play-action passing. But those are the two guys – they really stand out. I hope they keep uh, Breon Body Calhoun. I think he's a valuable player. Uh, but those th- three are really that stand out. They don't have a ton of guys that you're sitting there going, you know, if we lose him, you know, we're going to get a compensatory pick or whatever. You know, it's now it's a question of keeping valuable young pieces together and building on them. And, you know, I, I don't think he wants to be here. I think he was a great soldier about it and, and everything you would want in representing the franchise, but I don't see any way Tyrod Taylor's coming back. I expect he's going to move on uh, to another team. He's the, you know, the biggest name free agent they've got. He should have, I would think, maybe a starter opportunity in Washington or you know, somewhere along that nature, maybe even back up in Baltimore to uh, Lamar Jackson. Um you mentioned Gerald McCoy. If he was to become unrestricted by 
the rumor is Tampa Bay is going to release him. Um, you mentioned, you know, you'd like to have him there because he would fill their three-tech need. Um, any other fr- outside free agents you, you'd want to see him kick the tires on? Uh, I mean, I could I could see them taking a look at a guy like Jamison Crowder. Uh, when he's on the field, he's very good. He seems like a great fit for, for Baker Mayfield. Uh, I don't love him, but I fully expect the Browns are at least going to take a look at a guy like uh, Adam Humphreys, uh, who is who's a free agent with Tampa. Uh, you know, they got Todd Munkin from there. Uh, therefore, they're offensive coordinators. So, you know, those things tend to be, you know, situations that at least get looked into. But honestly, no. I mean, I, I think – you know, and it's not to say that I don't want the Browns to be aggressive. I just don't see, and I'm I'm notoriously uh, cheap on this front anyway. But I don't really see guys that I'm I'm looking at like D Ford scares me. His his injury history, and and the fact that he's had like basically one great year, maybe two great years out of five, and he's going to get you know some obscene amount of money. Uh, you know, Frank Clark's off-field is terrifying. I, I want no part of him. Uh, I do not feel good about going after a guy like Dante Fowler, um, in, in part because I think ultimately, you know, you'd be paying a ton of money to get what you have in Jannard Avery, and certainly you can make the case that you want two of them. With Miles Garrett, unless he's playing almost full-time at the three, you know, that then – you know, somebody's getting losing reps and, and I don't think they want to do that. So it's not to say there won't be players that are interesting. It's largely a case of, I think with the way tags work and everything and, and guys just getting signed before they get to the market. I just think the market is going to be very lean. Uh, the other guy I could see them being inter- interested in because he's so young, even though he hasn't been great, for Washington is Preston Smith, who I really like coming out of Mississippi State. He's he's going to be off his rookie deal, and he's still only 24 years old. Enormous body, has been a you know had had nice spurts as a pass rusher. Wouldn't surprise me in the least if Washington tries to keep him as part of their their their, their defensive core, which is the one side of the ball that looks you know worthwhile. But you know for the right price, he's a guy that interests me as a as a rotational guy. But the other part of the problem is. You know, some of these guys that even if they get loose, you know, the Browns, being that they aren't terrible, now may not be able to guarantee starting jobs. And some of these guys may be able to to get starting jobs on other teams that, that the Browns simply can't give, which might put them in a tough spot. On the other hand, the Browns may be a more attractive destination with Hugh Jackson out of the way, with a quarterback like Baker Mayfield and some relative at least stable looking things in their organization where, where guys might be interested. I mean, this, this was a thing last year where there were players that were, were past that wanted no part of the Browns. And I can't blame them because they wanted no part of the coaching staff. In addition to the fact that they had, you know, every reason to believe that coaching staff wasn't going to be there. So even if you liked Hugh Jackson, you expected he would fail and then you're getting a new coach and you have no control over it. So that was the other part. Right. You mentioned Adam Humphreys, and I, I can't see it being – unless he's just relatively on a one-year deal or something, I can't see where the value there is in a guy like that when we saw just in Mobile two guys that are bet, probably gives you just as much as what he would on a rookie deal with Isabella and Penny Hart. And another guy like out of Hawaii, John Arsua, I think gives you pretty much the same thing that you would get from a guy like Adam Humphreys at probably a quarter of the cost. And and my prospect crush, who I love, is Alameda Zacchaeus from Virginia, uh, who is an absolute monster for them. And you probably didn't mention because you're still – maybe a little sore at what he did to your South Carolina Gamecocks. Hey, it's, it is what it is. What we was it, 12 catches, that. 100 yards, and three touchdowns? I'm, I'm much something in the neighborhood like on something that. Something like that. Pretty close. Uh, but, pretty, yeah, pretty, so, and the other part is, you know, again, you know, you the Browns may not have a top receiving threat, but they have a million of these guys, and 
I don't know if getting Adam Humphreys really upgrades your situation, not to mention the fact that he'd be coming for – don't get me wrong, he had a very good season with Tampa. Uh, and I know people have thrown, you know, some advanced stats that say he, he created like three yards of separation and stuff. However, he was on offense with Mike Evans, with Deshaun Jackson for at least part of the year, with uh, – Cameron Brait with O.J. Howard, with uh, the kid out of Penn State I really like. Uh, what's his face? Uh, but, Godwin. But he's – yeah, Chris Godwin. They've just got a lot of weapons, and it's always hard to know, you know, how much of that is – Adam Humphreys is a really good player, and how much of that is – man, they've got a lot of weapons there other than running back that – you know, are, are creating these opportunities for him. And, and the Browns have gotten burned in the past where they've taken a guy who's basically like the fourth fiddle uh, on a defense or on a receiving core or whatever, paid them too much and got nothing out of them. And that's what it would at least concern me with a guy like Adam Humphreys. Right. Another free agent I don't think you mentioned because I don't think he's going to hit the market because he's probably going to get tagged is Jadevian Clowney. Um, not, I don't know how much of a fit he would be with the Browns, but, uh, that's a guy I, I obviously of interest to me. Sure. Uh, and it's not that the, the Browns wouldn't have interest. It's, it, it does become about projecting forward with money. Genevieve and Clowney is going to get an insane amount of money. There's no getting around it, whether it's Houston or someone else. Uh, and he would look great across from Miles Garrett. Uh, there's no doubt about it. But he's likely going to get $100 million at least. And at some point, you're going to have to pay Miles Garrett, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of $100 million. And Larry Ogunjobi is going to get paid a lot of money. And if you're just projecting it forward, it, it just may not be in the cards. And the other problem for the Browns in that situation is they've got – the Indianapolis Colts to deal with who are coming into free agency with $110 million of cap room <laughs> and every reason to burn through it. And Genevieve and Clowney in the, the scheme that they were running uh, with Eberfuss and company is ideal for a guy like Genevieve and Clowney. Mm-hmm. Like that's a dream for them. Uh, and that's the other sort of, you know, sneaky situation with the, the Browns and free agency is, you know, even if you, you, you've got John Dorsey who picked D Ford, even if you've got some of these guys are able to get out of contract, and, and, and Dante Fowler is another one, these are great fits for what the Colts have, and they have every ability to outbid the Browns on it. And, you know, that, that's not a bidding war I want to I – personally, I want to get into where you're now – being forced to pay, you know, a surtax on guys that you're not really going to end up being happy with. I mean, the Browns don't need, you know, foundational pieces anymore. They need guys that help what they, what they're already doing a lot in a lot of the same ways that the Rams did when they got guys like Sue and Dante Fowler and Peters and Talib. they can sort of afford to do that. They don't need, Genevieve and Clowney to sort of overhaul this defense. They don't need D Ford to overhaul this defense. They need guys that are going to complement what they're already doing. So there's just a lot of things to me work against the Browns. Now, having said that, you know, nothing would surprise me with John Dorsey as much as he says he, he, he's quoted as saying something along the Alexa, uh, lines of not wanting to spend like a drunken sailor. I've seen him do it with the Chiefs. I'm hoping that doesn't happen, but you know, if that happens, that it doesn't end up being a boondoggle where they spend a ton of money and get, you know, Dwayne Bowe value out of it, or they get Eric Berry value out of it. And I love Eric Berry, but that contract hasn't worked out. So that's sort of the balance they've got to strike here. Yeah, um, I, I wouldn't know what it's like to spend money in free agency. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, last question, and I'll let you go, Pete. Uh, we come we come out through day two of the draft. Let's say let's say we're going into Saturday morning. What does the no pants wearing Pete Smith draft look like after two days? 
after two days, so we're on day three now. We're on day three, so you've had four picks. All right, so Dream World right this second. Uh, I would take I'd probably take Jalen Ferguson uh, in that first round. I, I think he's going to be just a monster. Uh, whew, second round's where Let's say Kelvin Harmon, the wide receiver out of NC State. Uh, let's say third round. Um, let's go with something like uh, Titus Howard. And then uh, that other third round pick, let's say uh, TJ Edwards, the linebacker from Wisconsin. Sounds like a plan. Pete, uh, tell everybody where they can find your work. Uh, you can find me at underscore Pete Smith underscore. It's obnoxious. My name's common. It's not like Bosarge. Uh, but, yeah, that's the easiest place to, to get, get in touch with me or follow me or whatever. Sounds good. And uh, we'll see you next year, maybe a renovated brick pit next year or uh, back, back at uh, J. Rogers Barbecue again uh, before practice. Pete, uh, thanks for joining me today. You got it. That was Pete Smith from uh, NFL Spin Zone. As he said, you can follow him follow him on Twitter uh, at underscore Pete Smith underscore. Um, phenomenal if you're a fan of the Cleveland Browns or of the NFL. I mean, he does a great job evaluating draft prospects, uh, especially when it comes to uh, how they're going to fit in in Cleveland. Um, that's going to do it uh, for today's edition of the Cheapest Meal. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Fried Draft and uh, find everything that you need uh, draft-wise at DeepFriedDraft.com. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Until next time.